the Seek podcast. We are so glad you're here. I'm Erin Scanlon, your host for this season. Each week, we're sharing content that dives into the heart of the gospel, who God is, who we are, and what it means to live in relationship with Him. We're excited to walk with you as you encounter the Lord. I just want to thank everyone at Focus for this opportunity to be a part of Seek, something that has moved my heart and brought me closer to Christ, and I hope that it will do the same for you. But that's not what I was asked to talk about today. I was asked to talk about religious freedom. And so I'm going to kind of use my way of talking about religious freedom, not technical. I work with a bunch of lawyers, and they want to litigate everything about religious freedom. But for us, normal people, it's really important for us to understand what religious freedom is as a concept and what we can do with it. And so I'll take a step back and give you my personal story. Um, As an immigrant coming to this country, I obviously value religious freedom. If you know anything about the persecution of the church in Mexico, um, there's a history there uh, with, uh, you know, priests being hung on lampposts. It's really ugly. Look into it. Uh, But um, there are other things that come with being an immigrant. One of them is learning a new language. So I'm primarily a Spanish speaker. And when I started to learn English, I realized that English has a lot of idioms. Uh, things like, um, it's raining cats and dogs. Try translating that. It's super weird. Or, um, six and a half and some of the other. <laughs> I'm never going to get that one. And that's okay. Uh, but there's one that I recently discovered that I think really speaks to, uh, the past 12 years that I've spent at the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty and how we do religious freedom work. And that is, uh, with the deck stacked in someone's favor. The idea that, uh, that you can stack the deck, right? Um, and, and that's our approach to religious freedom. And it's my approach to human relationships. And I hope that it will be yours too. Because when you stack the deck in someone's favor, uh, you're suggesting an unfair advantage. Something that person has not earned. Something that person, uh, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's unfair. They didn't do anything to, to have that advantage. They didn't work for it. They just have it. And um, isn't that true about the grace and love of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior? It just is. Uh, by virtue of his great sacrifice, we have this grace and we have this forgiveness and we didn't do anything. It's, it's there for us. It's that great gift. Um, and so if we approach human relationships in that way, thinking about people as individuals who are, who are good, who are an opportunity, who are, who deserve our respect and our love, you're stacking the deck in their favor while knowing nothing about them. All right. I'm going to leave that there. And let's talk then about um, religious freedom as a concept. Religious freedom. Let's start with the religious part. I'm sure you guys are like, yeah, that's easy. We're good. It's Sikh. We're Catholic. We've got the religion thing down. Wrong. So wrong. So, so wrong. Um, religious is a part of the religious freedom phrase that reminds us something v- about something very important about human nature. It tells us that Religion isn't really about who God is. It's about who we are. It's about our human nature and what we believe about the human person and the dignity of the human person and the freedom that we deserve to have because of that human nature. We're not just beings floating around with no purpose and no calling. We are individuals, uniquely fashioned, uniquely made, with our eyes fixed on the far horizon, looking toward the transcendent, asking these big questions about who we are and why we are, right? And so... To have that freedom um, is a little more direct, but the religion piece is is just that. It's the idea, the concept that there's something bigger than us. So then let's talk about the freedom piece. Um, 
Freedom to what? Freedom to believe, to act, to search, to find. And when we find something, freedom to do something with what we found. Freedom to actually manifest that belief in some way in our lives. And, and there's a big responsibility in that. Notice we're tying freedom to responsibility. Um, many people have tried to use religious freedom as a tool to silence other people claiming that their views or their religious beliefs are offensive to them uh, because they're ideas that they disagree with. I'm sure that you've heard of that before. Um, and when you're talking to people about religious freedom who feel that way, it's really helpful to flip the phrase on them and say, well, in the United States of America and for Catholics, if you've read Dignitatis Humane, the Second Vatican Council's declaration, on religious freedom, you use the phrase freedom of religion, not freedom from religion. And that's a really important concept because it gives you a statement about what religion is, that it's good for society, that it's valuable, um, but also that it's supposed to be included, a part of your day-to-day life or your your society or civil society in general. So that's a really important distinction. And so where there's responsibility, there's also duty. Um, And you have a duty as a Christian and as a religious person or as someone, a scientist, to discover something really wonderful, to share that information with someone else. And that, again, is an innate human thing to share, to go and and take what you find and give it to other people because it is good. Um, Why? Why do we do this? Why is this such an important thing and such an important context uh, concept? Um, there are three great reasons for that. Um, it's smart. It's much easier to get someone to agree with you when you present an argument in, in the eyes, through the eyes or through the lens or through the story of someone that they already like or they already agree with. Um, I'm probably going to get a better shake with my sister if I talk about her kids <laughs> or give an example of her best friend rather than talking about that one ex-boyfriend that just never worked out, you know? So it's important to think about your audience and think about your dynamic. Um, the second one is it's honest. The reality is that if you don't have religious freedom, I don't have religious freedom. And so I'm not going to sit around and wait for the bear to eat me last. We've seen how that works out in history. It's not very good. Um, and the last one is that 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 freedom from religion camp that we talked about, the idea that religion is bad um, and that the concept of believing in anything at all outside of ourselves is no good. Um, that's the most dangerous one because it's, it's the recipe for ultimate government power over the individual, which has proven time and time again to be disastrous. And again, speaks to the opposite of what we believe about human nature. So I'm not really using a lot of religious arguments here because it's important for you to understand that Religious freedom, even though it has the word religious in it, isn't necessarily a religious concept. It's a concept that applies to all people, no matter what you believe. Um, but we're here at Seek, and so um, I know that I don't have to hammer home this idea that I talked about in the beginning, that you have to do something with your religious freedom. Otherwise, it's useless. I, I don't have to hammer that home here because if you're here, um, you're either a missionary or you're part of a Bible study or you're considering being a missionary or you've realized already that the most important mission field that you have is your home. And you're probably trying to work something out there. And yes, using your religious freedom at home can be a thing for a lot of people too. It's important to remember that. Um, number one, you know, mission central. Um, and so in using this freedom and finding truth, we, we develop a perspective. 
And, and this perspective is a lens that, that you apply to every aspect of your life. It's not something that you just leave behind or something that you don't take with you. This lens becomes a part of everything that you do and it gives you the courage to speak. And if you live your life through that lens, the moral authority to speak, something that we don't really, um, think about very often. I think that the past couple of years have given us that food for thought on what it means to have moral authority. Um, because you're motivated by something greater than yourself. Being motivated by something greater than ourselves because our purpose and our why isn't something that goes inward. It's something that goes outward. Um, your goal is to encounter other people with this new truth that you've found because you have religious freedom. And you want people to look at you and to ask, what is it that burns so brightly inside of you? Um, you see, people aren't interested in what you do. If you look at what we all end up doing with our lives, we all end up doing something similar. It's not really that interesting. People want to know why you're doing something. They're interested in, to, in, in understanding that motivation. And that why then has to be very clear, crystal clear in your heart and in your mind. So here's the why for religious freedom. If we actually believe in a higher power, if we believe that the concept of God, this great idea is worthwhile, if we believe in him at all, um, we believe in a God that wants to know us. We believe in a God that is a relational God. He wants to be in relationship with us and he wants us to be in relationship with other people. He wants us to experience love freely given, freely accepted, unconditional. And so it turns out that that's a really big challenge for us. Um, as people, anyone who thinks that this is a phenomenon from the past couple of years isn't really paying attention to history or the global picture. Um, and the reason then that Christians have such an important role to play in protecting and defending religious freedom is because we have an example of what those relationships should look like in the Holy Trinity. This gift that was given to us of a God that is in relationship with himself to model for us what being in relationship with other people should look like and needs to look like. Um, you have to strive to love God more perfectly so that you can also then love your neighbor. So then as Christians, we have to make a decision. Do we actually believe in the incarnational reality of our faith? Do we believe that Jesus Christ came, died, rose again? Do we believe that entire story, that phenomenon, that reality? And for Catholics, do we believe in the Eucharist? That day-to-day, -day, daily reminder of that love, of that sacrifice. If we do, then we also believe that we are made in the image and likeness of that God that came down to encounter us face to face. And we believe in that precious reality that we're called to human flourishing and that that call is to ultimate fulfillment in what we believe. That's really important. You can only fulfill that call if you do something with what you believe. So then religious freedom has this one more important characteristic, humility. We're all action people. I wanna do something. I wanna be the one that gets the credit. I'm superwoman, right? I can save the world. It turns out that on the religious freedom question and on the coming to Christ question, humility is your greatest tool. Because there's nothing that I want more than for the people that I love to have a relationship with Christ and to encounter him and to have him transform their hearts and transform their lives. But I also know that there's absolutely nothing I can actually do to force them 
I can't read something, uh, tell them something, shake them, you know, bring them out to see things. I, I can try that. I can witness. But that change, that choice is going to happen within them. It's their freedom, their reality. And so I have to get out of the way and realize that I will never make them seek the truth. They have to find God in their lives and let him into their hearts. It's not my will. It's not your will. It's the Holy Spirit working through us as instruments. Religious freedom then is not a political tactic or an evangelistic tool. Everyone should understand religious liberty is not a political football. We see that all the time, one camp or the other using religious freedom as a code word for something else. No, religious freedom is a human right. It's nonpartisan here in the U.S. It's a global human right around the world. Um, it's a basic human need. And, and the government should not co-opt religion for its own means and ends, for its own purposes. We know that it's the reason that we live in America. Uh, the other side of it, religious freedom is not a political tactic or an evangelistic tool is something that we have a lot of trouble with. We're here talking about evangelizing and all of a sudden I'm here telling you religious freedom is not about evangelizing. Well, it is, but it's not a means to an end. It's just a door. It's our common agreement to allow these important conversations to happen between individuals and to know that those are good, that those are conversations we need to have and that are worth having and need to be protected. And that's the part that people don't understand. Religious freedom is not an evangelistic tool because as I mentioned earlier, the only tool that you have is humility, is getting out of the way. And so if I'm just a door and I'm living in friendship and community and I'm witnessing to other people with love, I'm actually following the way. And if you think about what today is, that phrase, the way, that calling that the early Christians gave to themselves for what it is that they were doing has specific significance. And I'll get to that in a, in a second. Um, because religious freedom then truly is about love. And that's not just because I'm a cheesy Latina. Um, it's, it's because it's what's true. Good evangelization is loving well. It's encountering people where they are and helping them to discover the beauty of what we believe in our faith and in our traditions. Um, and it means overcoming our own timidity our own fear of rejection, our hypothetical fear of hypothetical risk because your love and your desire for the person in front of you is so much greater than anything that could possibly happen, than any rejection that could encounter you when you have these discussions or conversations. It's a huge, huge risk. Um, and so then let's come back to stacking the deck in people's favor. Um, with the deck stacked in your favor, those conversations are easy. And when you stack the deck in the favor of the person in front of you, those conversations are even easier. St. Francis Cabrini or Mother Cabrini um, said that sanctity does not consist in doing great and conspicuous things, but in doing all that Jesus desires of us. Religious freedom isn't a right that needs you to do these huge things. It just requires you to use it, to do public things, small things, and to get comfortable living your full citizenship, living as a whole person in the world that brings that Catholic lens with you, that religious lens with you. And so that's where everyone wants to know, great, that's awesome, little things. What can I actually do? How do I defend religious freedom? How do I join the fight? I just told you, use it. We don't actually realize that we're using our religious freedom every day and we're letting it sit there. 
because we're not saying, I'm going to exercise my religious freedom and I'm going to do this. I'm going to pray with my friends. I'm going to wear a cross. I'm going to have religious imagery around me and not apologize for it because I have religious freedom. Um, and the other thing that I recommend in exercising religious freedom is starting off your day with prayer. Um, like a true millennial, um, I have the Bible on my phone. And, uh, and I also have the Magnificat on my phone and I can't recommend that enough. The Magnificat is awesome for daily prayer. Um, and so this is how I like to stack the deck in my favor when I wake up in the morning or like my sister says to her six year old, you're just, you know, um, setting yourself up for success. So, uh, if you, if you do that, um, it turns out that the promise of religious freedom is something we mention every day in prayer in the suggested laud for morning prayer in the Magnificat or the prayer of thanksgiving, um, you have the canticle or the song of Zechariah. Who is Zechariah? Ooh, if you don't have that app, um, you can look, you know, you can Google these things. It's no problem. And for those of you who don't have the app, um, that's, uh, Luke chapter one, verses 68 to 79. Um, and, uh, yes, Catholics read the Bible. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, I suggest looking into the background of this law because, again, it explains something really important about the concept of religion and religious freedom from the early days of Christians, right? From before Christendom was a thing. Um, and the fourth paragraph of that song or canticle goes like this. Uh, it was an oath that he swore to our father Abraham to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship him without fear, holy and righteous in his sight all the days of our lives. You see, back then, worship was not considered a private matter. When you think about what Zechariah's son went on to do to baptize Jesus Christ in the Jordan River, that was a public thing. Bringing your religion with you was a public thing. These public accounts, the Bible is full of them. Um, and it wasn't so much something that you believed in, but something that was part of your identity. Your religion told everyone who you were. There's no way that it could be a private matter. Um, and furthermore, I think it's providential that we're filming this on the feast of, of the conversion of St. Paul. Um, and I love that just because on its face, the life of St. Paul is a wonderful witness to what our church believes about religious freedom and how you bring religious freedom with you everywhere. Um, if you think about his story, it was his freedom of religion that allowed him to come to Christ in the weirdest of moments, in a moment where he was the one doing the persecuting. Um, so you get to come to Christ on your own terms, in your own time. And no government can stop that, and no government can force that. Um, you know, writing from prison, writing from house arrest, Paul took the fire of the Holy Spirit in his writing and sent it out into the world and lit his, the hearts of his friends on fire, um, continuing his ministry. And so even when the government controls all aspects of your physical life, it cannot control what is in your heart and what is in your mind. Again, more ideas of what religious freedom really is when you think about it comprehensively. And you can't understand the life and conversion of St. Paul without considering why religious freedom is so important. Um, because you don't know at what moment that search for truth is going to peak. You don't know. For you, for someone else, you have no clue. And so pushing our way in to make sure that the search for God and that religious freedom is as expansive as it can be is critical to that so that people can take that moment and live in it and let it change their lives. Um, and Paul offers us the best reason for fighting for religious freedom for all people, for kind of getting everything out of the way. 
he reminds us that we're all worthy of love um, and that we're all worth that sacrifice. In Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 9, he writes, For while they were still helpless, at the appointed moment, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person. Though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Wow, that's hope. That's beautiful. That means no matter who you are, where you are, Christ loves you. God loves you. And so this is the only recommendation, the only advice that I can give you about how to use your religious freedom. Um, and that is to know your sins, but lead with grace. Use your religious freedom and stack the deck in your favor and in the favor of the person in front of you because of what you believe about human nature, about that person's human dignity. And make sure that because you believe in that human dignity, that you also remember that you believe in love and everything that comes with it. Show them that door. Open that conversation and exercise your religious freedom so that you can show them how to exercise theirs. Thanks for listening, friends. To hear more content from speakers like this, join us for Seek 23 in St. Louis, January the 2nd through the 6th. Visit seek.focus.org to learn more.